Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, uh, Deborah Crow. That goes by Deb, and she's actually the host of Imperfect, the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. And today's talk is going to be all about leadership, heart centered leadership, and uh, it's overall business podcast. And I'm really happy to welcome her to the show. So, Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much, Christopher. It's great to be with you. Yeah, kind of set the stage and talk about your story and your journey, how you got started, and we'll delve right into it. Well, um, my background is in medical rehabilitation, and I worked as a neurotrauma case manager for over 20 years. And I had a, a twist of fate, if you will, 15 years ago. I was enjoying working with both children and adults uh, who had sustained some form of neurotrauma. And I was spending a lot of time testifying in court and I was missing the direct patient care. And out of the blue, I got a call from an adjudicator who asked me if I would take on five executives. There were three VPs and two CEOs who had gone off on a short-term disability claim from their leadership role due to stress. And it was a welcomed addition to my caseload and a reprieve from the heaviness of the catastrophic files I had and going to court. So long story short, from the day of that phone call, Christopher, to 10 months later, I landed up losing all five of those executives. They all went to long-term disability claims, became palliative, and landed up in our local hospice. And I had the honor and privilege of being with them at the end of life. And I promised them that I was going to do something about this going forward. And I took a year to grieve and close my clinic and do all the logistical exit strategy things you do in business. And my coach said to me at the time, what are you going to do with this gift? And I, I sat with that question. And 15 months later, I became a coach and I work with all levels of leadership to ensure that they don't get to that level of stress. And I haven't lost anybody in that time frame, which I'm super happy to share with you. Yeah, what a very inspiring and heartfelt journey. And I'm curious, I was wondering this idea of um, when you talk about heart-centered leadership and um, people talk about heart-centered a lot of times, uh, you know, you can kind of feel it. Um, but what traits, like specific traits, make one a heart-centered leader? Well, I created a heart-centered leadership quality sketch note in January 2020 that I would love to share with you and your listeners. It's now in 25 languages and it's been downloaded over 90,000 times. And the 20 traits, just to give you an example of a few, they they are from my experience. They are not an exhaustive list, but they're the 20 most popular that I witnessed in my practice when I was both case managing and when I transitioned into coaching. So qualities like being an attentive listener, being an avid reader, being a lifelong learner, being approachable, those are just a few to share from, from the list of 20. And, and my definition of heart-centered leadership is honoring your connection with people. And what that means is you're holding space just like you and I are doing. We're, we're living in the moment right now, having this beautiful interview. We're not thinking about this morning, the next hour after the interview or tomorrow. 
And there's no level of reciprocity. We're just having a meaningful, aligned conversation and enjoying the value of of whatever we're going to talk about. I love that description. And so, um, and I love this idea of in the moment and, you know, whatever is going on around us, um, you know, we can always focus and just kind of collaborate, share and create something wonderful. Um, the next question is um, with heart center leadership and workplace, a lot of people feel excluded and, you know, feel like it's not very representative. Uh, how do you make a workplace more inclusive? Well, you know, that's a big question to unpack. And I think you can't make any workplace or organization inclusive until you address the underlying problem that's lingering or deflate the elephant in the room. Usually when there's a problem of inclusivity, you have to look back to the foundation of the culture. And if you don't have a strong, healthy, vital culture, how can you even start to adapt to even integrate or change or welcome any inclusivity when we don't have the strength of the foundation, which is trust, rapport, openness, healthy, vital, not any remnants of toxicity. I think a lot of times people want to work on the top layers. And a lot of times it's returning to the foundation of the organization. I love how you're describing these concepts because they're, you know, sometimes you can ask these questions and people can describe it, but you know, the way you describe it can either um, really enlighten or kind of confuse more. So I love that. Oh, the follow-up question I have is, um, so you transitioned from disability medical medical case management, and now you're an executive coach. And you know, for a lot of the audience, they're doctors or lawyers or dentists, and um, they think they say it's time for a change, and they say, "Oh, but all I've known is um, X, Y, Z, and you know my skills." So, what transferable skills do you did you bring from you know the medical to now being executive coach? Oh, this is a great question, Christopher. <laughs> So your audience is 65% of my my practice. So many transferable skills. And it's it's going back to just a simplistic level of common sense. Think about all the things that you love doing within your medical career, whether you are a certified health exec, whether you're a physician, a surgeon, it doesn't matter. All of the skills go all the way back to the day you were born. And I do a really fun exercise with all of my medical professionals. And we look at all of the life skills that we picked up along the way, good, bad, or indifferent. Our first exposure to kindergarten, our first volunteer, our first job, uh, our first failure, our first barrier, a teacher who left such a beautiful imprint on our heart, et cetera, et cetera all the way up to the finishing of that medical degree, residency, and then where they went with their career exploration after that. There's a pattern and a trend. And all of those skills are what are your transferable skills. And they have influence from your parents, your grandparents, your upbringing, your community. There's so many different resources from family to academic, et cetera. And when we can go through this life exercise. It's how I show these physicians how they've mastered the art of heart in their life and leadership, but more importantly, Christopher, why they're the leader that they are today. 
And when we unpack this and they see the amount of transferable skills, it's it's just unwavering. It's it's you know not to be clash cliche, but it's like an aha moment. So I bring communication, I bring openness, I bring heart centeredness. The case manager shows up a lot of times because sometimes I get executives from multiple sectors on the brink of pre-health. So they have a chance before those executives that I lost. And to me, our life shows up in our work and our work shows up in our life. And the sweet spot is finding that beautiful space of work-life integration. So wonderfully said. And yes, then the kind of the next question is um, when you're talking about you know, transferable skills. And especially in today's time, um, I'm reading more and more in the headlines, especially before you never heard about executives um, getting laid off or, you know, usually an executive's career was usually quite long, but now it's, you know, shortening. So, and with, with AI, with technology disruption, you know, remote work from home, people starting their own companies, you know, what makes um, a good leader and what makes somebody want to go and work for that leader as opposed to doing their own thing or starting their own business? Great question. A good leader leads people. A good leader is visionary. They're able to look out and they can keep the extrinsic values of profit and metrics and margins and KPIs and, and all of those processes that are important, but they know deep down from a heart-centered modality that none of that will be carried out or successful or sustained unless they invert the fraction and put people over profit. So when people are put before profit and they can lead with that vulnerability and authenticity and model self-care and fail forward and all the things under the imperfect imperfection umbrella, that's a heart-centered leader. And who wouldn't want to follow someone that is genuine, unique, approachable, open door policy, and you know you can come to them and not have everything figured out and seek their guidance without worrying about reciprocity on your next annual review. That's who people want to work for today. Yeah, I love that. Um, the next question is um, when talk about your experience and perspective for heart-centered leadership at the executive and C-suite level, and how can someone become a heart-centered leader at that level? That's a tough one. It's a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say right now, there's more at that level that are not heart-centered. <laughs> and again, um, to, to defend them, what was modeled to them, what I like to call episodic leadership, was not heart-centered because I was told for over 30 years there was no place for heart-centered leadership in business acumen. Yet, if you look at the components of business acumen, it's knowledge, skills, and abilities. To be a compassionate leader, a heart-centered leader, what do you need? Knowledge, skills, and ability. So I'm trying to bridge that gap, Christopher. The people that aren't, um, I have moved almost 100, well, 98 executives at that level since May of 2020, because I think COVID gave us a big pause to reflect, have some solace time, and really brought for all of us, I'm going to say an emergence of what's important in our lives, collectively, personal life, and what we do professionally. And a lot of leaders moved industries, they took demotions, 
And they wanted to get back to that level of happiness that they lost climbing that proverbial white ladder of success to hit the glass ceiling, which is completely an unrealistic expectation. So the ones that are doing it well, they don't talk a lot. They listen. They listen to their people. They mentor their people. They foster all the qualities within heart-centered leadership. They can be assertive, meaning you know, they have to be firm and friendly, look at other people's perspective, sit in the observer's chair. When they do that, then their transformational leadership unveils beautifully because people want to follow someone who's successful and visionary and heart-centered. Really eloquently said again. And my follow-up question is, you know, once we can elucidate these qualities and, you know, talk about leaders at that level, um, the next question is, because um, you talked about, you know, leadership was kind of um, this uh, sort of modeled after, you know, certain archetypes, but now I'll talk about embracing imperf- imperfection in leadership and, you know, in a world that where we have to, you know, have it all together, you know, we got that Instagram moment. Um, how do you help leaders embrace their imperfections at strengths and the role that vulnerability plays in effective leadership? None of us are perfect. I mean, there's so many leaders in multiple sectors and it's a daily conversation for me. And it goes back to that, you know, reviewing your life, where in your life lineage did you learn or hone or were told that you had to sustain perfection? It's an intergenerational trauma for most professionals based on my experience it hits around age 40 when they want to get off the hamster wheel they are beyond burnout whatever that word is we we are yet to create it and they have nothing left for anyone including themselves that's not a fun place to be i would rather be imperfect and communicative and heart-centered and say you know christopher i i i wasn't fully present when you asked me to do that task And I'm going to ask if you would be so open to, you know, review it with me. And I don't think I fully understand your vision. Who wouldn't want to help someone? It's all about having meaningful, honest, vulnerable conversations. And if we look at it in the medical world, not everyone that comes into eMERGE is a clean cut case. So it's using those analytical, critical skills that they are taught. And physicians are taught equanimity, especially surgeons in medical school. So when you can align equanimity, that mental calmness and composure with your heart-centered leadership skills, you're unstoppable from a heart-centered leadership perspective because you are physically there for that person and you listen so deeply and intently that you can hear the emotion behind the words that is a well-honed skill yeah and you know finally as we come to the ending of our talk which i really enjoyed is um this idea where um you know all of us are career driven success driven you know we want to you know strive for significance but we also have a balancing act so um with your extent extensive experience, how do you guide professionals in achieving balance between career aspirations and a personal life and offer insights into how leaders can maintain resilience and self-care, you know, amidst their demanding roles? I, I love this question. It's really simple. We are not 
what we choose to do in our business or our career profession. So I, I'll challenge your listeners to do some inner work and realize that their self-worth and their worth and worthiness is not attached to their identity, their role, their stature, their title, their role and responsibility from the HR department. We have different aspects in our life and our leadership for a reason, and we're not meant to let one take over the other. And that's where we get illness and sickness and breakdown of relationships, et cetera. So it's finding a unique balance so that you're happy and that you're living in a self-directed way and not in a heaviness of obligation because of the career that you chose. How can people find out about the work that you do, you know, check you out your social media and, and possibly work with you? My website is debcrow.com. And I also just wrote a book and it's called the Heart Centered Leadership Playbook. And it was released on November 1st. And we've been in the top, the top three and hit number one about five times since November 1st in healthcare administration, which is just a serendipitous moment, you know, Christopher, even though I've left the medical world, I don't think it's really let go of me, but all the information is, is on my website. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Deb for coming on very eloquent. Just, I love this uh, heartfelt centered talk. You can feel it through just, and um, be sure to follow all of Deb's uh, resources. They'll be in the links in the show notes, give her a like and follow it. Check out her book. It's on Amazon. I'm going to check it out as well. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Christopher.